My mom was in Mexico about a year or two ago. She was out driving back to my great-grandmother's home with a friend. It was already pretty late at night. On the drive, my mom saw a man with a bloody face walking next to the car. Keep in mind, the car was moving. My mom was the one driving. She asked her friend if she had seen the man. Her friend responded that she had. She described the bloody-faced man to my mom, which was the exact same man my mom had seen. The following day, my mom told some family about what her and her friend had seen. They mentioned to her that there are allegedly multiple dead spirits that appear down that certain road they were on. The road is known for drug deals gone bad, where people are killed and then thrown off of the road. Submit your questions to ScreamQueerCast at gmail.com or by submitting them to the Instagram at ScreamQueerPodcasts and catch new episodes every Tuesday morning wherever podcasts are streamed. Remember to rate and subscribe. Welcome to the Scream Queer Podcast with Ralph Anthony. The following content contains topics describing graphic violence, strong sexual content, explicit language, and elements that may not be suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is going on, Screamers? Welcome back in. I hope you guys are all doing wonderful and hanging in there. I've been having some really vivid dreams. Not sexual. They've actually been pretty fucking scary. Uh, Just about death. Like, people around me, my loved ones, either dying or getting diagnosed with, like, a terminal illness. Just fucking awful. And I'll wake up in the middle of the night just feeling completely empty and and sad like it i don't know what this means if you're an expert out there on dreams what does this mean so apparently we're all gonna die soon we're gonna die you guys because the doomsday clock located at the bulletin offices at the university of chicago have been moved to 90 seconds to midnight now this is the closest time to midnight in its history according to the bulletin of the atomic scientists the reason for this move was due to the rising threat of nuclear war in ukraine you have the severe weather which is also a reason that they moved the clock to 90 seconds to midnight because of climate change which is very real we are seeing very crazy weather patterns here And one of the other reasons is good old COVID-19. Yep, COVID is still around and it is still taking people out. The last time the clock was set to 100 seconds to midnight was back in 2020. And that was obviously because we were just kind of navigating this whole COVID. We weren't sure like what was going on with it or what it could do. Now we have a little bit more knowledge, so I think that's probably why they set it back to whatever it normally is at. But then they just moved it to 90 seconds to midnight. So, like, what exactly happens when it goes to midnight? Like, is that, like, when bombs are, like, falling and shit's popping off? Like, 
there's flooding, just drowning people. Like, what do you, what are they going to do? Like, oh my God, let me go ahead and change the clock to midnight really quick before I get in that bunker. Like, no, bro. Like, I'm going to just jump in that bunker and back to this doomsday clock. The clock was created in 1947 and it is supposed to be a metaphor for humanity inching closer and closer to self-annihilation, which I think we are doing a stellar job at. And those in charge of the clock have to meet annually and discuss resetting the clock based on current events. And as I mentioned before, all of those events are why they set it to 90 seconds to midnight fuck so have you guys been on tiktok lately (laughs) oh my god tiktok uh so gerald johnson who his video went viral recently he claims he died for a short period of time after having a severe heart attack back in 2016 now apparently he believed that he was a good man and he was when he when his time was up he was gonna go to heaven however it didn't work out for him that way he thought because he did so much good and because he was a preacher that he would go to heaven no He describes uh, seeing indescribable things, such as seeing a man walking on all fours like a dog and getting burned from head to toe while wearing chains on his neck, and a part of hell where a choir of demons play music as a form of punishment. Specifically, are you guys ready for this? Super Bowl 2023's very own Rihanna! Yes, you guys, the demons in hell are bumping Rihanna's umbrella to torture you all so (laughs) apparently they're bumping rihanna's umbrella and bobby mcferrin's don't worry be happy i would hope that with when i go to hell that they play something that i would actually like but then again it's hell and allegedly they want to torture you there so it'd probably be like bad bunny or something like that that they would play like nonstop. but speaking of tiktok you guys let's go ahead and dive into today's true crime slash paranormal story this story revolves around andrew dawson who was a popular tiktok creator with fifty six thousand followers Apparently, he had gone missing after posting mysterious TikToks after a video he had posted of a giant standing on a mountain in Jasper Park, which is located in Alberta, Canada. Now, after he posted that video, he had a bizarre strain of videos that ranged from April 9th of 2022 to May 17th of 2022. The following day after Andrew posted the video of the mysterious giant on the mountain, Andrew went around asking locals if they had ever witnessed anything of that nature. Some had agreed to seeing the mysterious figure every so often, and they ended up giving him directions to go up the mountain. Now on his way up, Andrew is stopped by a man ordering him to go back because the road is closed ahead. So Andrew turns around and returns home. What's going on? Road's closed. Turn around. Really? Yeah, man. Just just turn around, please. Okay. Have a good night, man. So that was fucked up. There he is. I'm driving. 
Pass them again. Just turned around. I don't understand why it's closed off though. It's a fucking public park or public road or whatever. The original video had allegedly sparked interest from CIA and the Canadian CSIS, leading to allegedly getting into contact with Andrew. Andrew would then share another video of him allegedly being watched, with Andrew posting a video of a car parked outside his home. The car seemed to have belonged to the man who had stopped him from going up the mountain earlier. As Andrew moves in closer to the vehicle with his phone camera on, the vehicle speeds off. After going quiet for over a month, Andrew would return with the post. The video shows Andrew very tense, looking off to the side often, and with very suspicious body language. Hey guys, I just want to give you an update. I'm not dead. I have not disappeared. Uh, I have just been busy with life. I couldn't get around to posting and updating you guys, so... Now, now I'm going to give you an official update on what's been going on. Sorry to disappoint you guys, but all of the videos that I post, all the videos that I posted were scripted. They were just fake. They were just strictly for entertainment. Uh, sorry to disappoint you guys. I just needed to give you a quick update. Ten days later, Andrew uploaded another video with the caption, I'm scared. You might not see me post ever again. The following day, Andrew follows up with the post of a strange vehicle atop the mountain, asking if it belongs to the military. Since that post, Andrew has not been seen on TikTok or any other social media platforms. Hundreds of theories about his whereabouts have surfaced and gaining millions of views onto his videos. A month and a half after his last video, a local newspaper published his obituary with no information regarding his death. November 4th, 1987 to July 1st, 2022. In loving memory, loving husband, father, uncle, brother, and son. What do you guys believe really happened to Andrew Dawson? Personally, I think that this was something that he wasn't supposed to see. Maybe he had talked about it too much whoever authorities got involved, whether that's the FBI, the CIA, the CSIS, any of them got into contact with him, maybe threatened him, and because he wouldn't stop posting videos, they maybe decided to dispose of him somehow. First of all, what was on that mountain? Some people said it was a Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, whatever you want to call it. A, a giant but yeah this story this story is uh very very interesting like i i do hope we get some closure on it and find out like what really happened to andrew dawson but until then it's gonna remain a mystery 911 what's the address of the emergency 11 I need you to say the address. I can't understand you. 11464 Hot Springs. Okay, repeat the address one more time to make sure I have it right. No, 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 no. Hello? 
Okay, this Hello? is 911. What's going on? I just shot everybody right now. You just shot everybody? Yeah. Okay. What is your name? Daniel Sanchez. Pablo Sanchez? Yeah. Okay, how many people did you shoot? Uh, three. You shot who people? Who else, Who did you shoot? My ex-girlfriend, because she was shooting on me with Roy. Okay. And uh, myself, I'm, I'm going to shoot myself right now. Pablo, I need you to stay on the phone with me, okay? Just wait until we get there. Pablo? Yeah. Okay, just stay with me, okay? Don't shoot yourself. Okay. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Um, like six months ago, I called my girlfriend cheating on me. Uh-huh. And uh, I told Roy to, to stop talking to her. Okay. He wouldn't do it. He pressed charges on me. Kidnapping. I'm not on bond right now. But, uh, okay. I want to do myself. She pressed charges on you for kidnapping? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for my girlfriend, too. Uh, okay. She didn't know what she was doing. Okay, who else was there? Uh, what do you mean? Who else was there with with you tonight? Uh, the right other now? two people. Do you know who they were? Oh, uh, her sister and her, and her uh, husband. Okay. 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 How did you get there? Uh, driving. You drove. You drove yeah. there. Yes. Okay. Are you there by yourself? Yes. Okay. Okay, what room are you in right now? Pablo? Pablo? Hello? I think you just shot himself. The 911 call you just heard was the triple homicide and one suicide involving Daniel Sanchez. Now, this took place on December 18th of 2012, and police said he had bonded out of Boulder County Jail earlier that night around 10 p.m. after being charged with domestic violence against his ex-girlfriend, 25-year-old Beatriz Centora Silva. He also would end up later that night shooting her, her sister, 22-year-old Maria Centora Silva, and her husband, 32-year-old Max Aguirre Ojeda, before turning the gun on himself. Yeah, this is such a heavy, 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 heavy case. And just hearing just how mentally unstable this guy was. I've heard a lot of 911 calls dealing with domestic violence and these relationships that turn out to be so just bad. Like, they they don't end well. And I know it's easier said than done, but if you are in one of these domestic violence relationships, do everything in your power to get out of it. This is not all you have. There are resources to get out and get help. I've been really wanting to focus on the questions that you have all been submitting. Thank you so fucking much, by the way. I have been getting so many questions from Instagram, from screamqueercast at gmail.com. I have a Reddit forum, and it has just been so overwhelming and amazing. 
Thank you everyone for submitting in these questions. It really does help me to create a more enjoyable, relatable, and entertaining show. With that said, let us go ahead and dive into today's questions. My favorite episode is hands down episode two. I die just picturing you with the blanket over the head, giving head. (laughs) Is there more to the story? I felt like you held back a little. Well, I hate to disappoint you. I told pretty much all I remember. I'm trying to think back to see if there was any more details. So for those of you who are just joining Scream Queer Podcast, on Season 1, Episode 2, The Ghost of Blowjobs Past, I did an episode where I answered someone's question if I had ever hooked up with a straight guy before. And I said I had an experience when I was really young at a sleepover where we had a tent in one of our friend's backyard. It was me and two other boys. And one of them was my best friend who I had the biggest crush on. And at some point uh, during the night, they started jacking off. And then I ended up putting a blanket over my head and putting their dicks in my mouth. And the reason for the blanket was because to them, it made it seem less gay and not as weird. Uh, (laughs) But after that, uh, we were all pretty open sexually. And like, I remember... I think I left this part out like, well, no, I I had mentioned that my best friend, he would try on condoms in front of me and we would, they would always just be jacking off at like sleepovers. And one of the last times I was sucking his dick with the blanket over my head, uh, my best friend, and I asked him if I could take it off. And he said, uh, sure, if you want to be weird. So then I was like, nah, I'll just leave it on. But yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all there is to the to the story i we i mean we lost touch uh and i never really heard from that person ever again but yeah i'm sorry to disappoint that that was all to the story but if you guys want to hear the story in full go ahead and check out episode two the ghost of blowjobs past Something that's been very popular in recent years is OnlyFans. Would you ever consider using that platform to post content? Uh, I don't feel like I would be confident enough. Like, I'm... I have a lot of issues when it comes to body image and how I look, and I am working on that. So, I don't know if posting, like, full frontal, like, photos of myself uh would be (laughs) would be on the table for me uh i mean i can do cooking videos like cooking meat while beating my meat (laughs) no I'm, i'm i'm kidding i'm kidding for those of you out there doing it like fuck yeah you keep getting your bag and do your thing you guys are doing awesome out there i see you on twitter What are some ways to help cope with the loss of a fur baby? I'm reaching a point of depression because I can't get over it. It's been about two months and I still find myself crying uncontrollably and just feeling lost and empty. Ooh, I'm going to start crying. Uh, 
As someone who just lost a pet, a pet that I wasn't really that close with, I... Uh, it's really hard. It, I, I, I get it. I completely get it. It's just that feeling of emptiness and, and loss and even energy. And you miss all of those like little habits, all of those sounds that used to be so annoying at some point. But it, for me, when Sherman, who was his, the deceased pet, who just passed away last year in July. Uh, this dog would drive me fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. And I think when he died, it opened my eyes and made me realize like I, I did really love him and I really did enjoy having him around. And all I can say is the things I did to help cope with it was just surround myself with people who make me feel good. Talk to people. If you cry, don't be ashamed of it. Let it out. Cry. And just just talk to someone. And if it gets to the point where it becomes unbearable, then I do urge you to reach out for professional help. Because a lot of people like to downplay like pets and they're like why are you crying over a dog it's a dog but what they don't understand is that sometimes most times actually these dogs these pets these cats whatever it may be they provide a sense of of comfort and okay because from my experience like whenever like I'm mad or I'm just having a really sad shitty day I go and cuddle with my little Yorkie Norman and just him, his unconditional love, regardless of anything is good enough for me. And it it helps lift my spirits. And so for some people, like these dogs are their emotional support. I I know they, they can't talk, but they're so lovable and like they know when we're hurting so for people to say like why are you crying over the dog because like that's this dog was devoted to us to their humans and when they go like it (laughs) it is so sad i don't want to cry but i really do hope that you can find peace and like i said just surround yourself with good energy and good people do things that make you happy And I'm so sorry for your loss. I really am. What is your stance on the gay community's obsession with RuPaul's drag race? I currently just don't understand the hype. I love local drag shows and always support, but I'm tired of these shows placing our community and culture in a box. I don't really think RuPaul's drag race is putting our culture in a box that much. As someone who's not really a fan of the show anymore, I, I I do think it did sell out a little bit. That can be good, but that can also be bad. It can be good because it's getting our our community and the artistry of drag out there to the mainstream. I feel like when anything sells out, it just it doesn't become authentic and and real anymore. Like I stop. Like I I watch here and there, but I am a like I was a hardcore drag race fan. 
Uh, I didn't get to watch season one because it was like the lost season at that time. But the season that really captured me in was season two. You know, we have the Tatiana, you have Shangela's first appearance and uh, Raven. It was such a good season for the time. But I think the last season that I watched that I was like really like a diehard fanatic uh, was season six. But I don't. I don't know. I, I I just think it's fun, especially for the younger generation. I know gay clubs host like viewing parties, which I'm sure are fun. But I, I do think it's a little bit overrated now. And I'm I'm ready to see what else the LGBTQ plus can put out and and push to make it mainstream. Because like I love drag queens. I love drag shows. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't agree with this question. I don't think that it is placing gay culture or placing gay people into a box. I'm currently engaged to my after high school sweetheart. It's been about nine years and I'm finding myself less and less attracted to them physically. I'm second guessing the wedding. I'm second guessing everything. There isn't anyone else. However, I don't think I want this to be it for me. I've been asking my friends and close family for their input, but all I'm being told is to stick it out. I'm just going to go back to what I always say, and that is that we are given one chance at life. We have one life. So my advice to you would be to get out if you feel in your deepest part of your heart that this is not what you want to go through with then my advice to you would be to get out because you don't want to go into this because you want to make other people happy you need to make yourself happy first and if this isn't going to bring you joy and happiness then what is the point of it you don't have to please your family you don't have to please your friends You don't have to keep up with your friends. If you see your friends getting married and having babies and you still don't have any of that, that's totally fine. You're on your own path. Don't go through with this because you want to be like everybody else or because you feel like you're going to hurt anyone's feelings. Yes, if you do call this off, you're going to hurt some feelings, but I think it'll be 10 times worse if you go through with it because who knows what can happen along the line you know like if you feel stuck maybe you'll want to cheat maybe you'll just do things that that'll hurt your your partner that you that you're with now so uh i sound like i feel so shitty saying this but my advice to you would be to talk to your partner tell them how you're feeling get their input and just see where you go from there but i wouldn't go through with the wedding When did you come out? What did it take for you to get to that point to come out? I remember being 18. It was my senior year of high school. I had just gotten my first boyfriend. And uh, I wanted to share it with the world that I was with someone who at the time I thought I was in love with. I wanted to just put it out there so... For those of you who are a little bit older and remember MySpace, when it was good, before it had like the whole transformation, and it was like, bleh. 
But MySpace, I I didn't have a car. I didn't really have anything. I was living with my grandparents and my dad. And I just wanted to put it out there. So I created a blog post on my MySpace page. And I posted a uh, bulletin saying, go and check out my my blog. I have something to tell you guys. And I remember it was it was before we had smartphones. I think I had like a flip phone. I didn't have any internet on it because that was extra. So I posted it and then I went to walk like two miles to my best friend's house. (laughs) And oh my gosh, just coming home and seeing all of the positive support, like people were saying that they were proud of me that how mature of me and it was for me I had a good coming out experience and yeah so I came out that way and then it spread like wildfire I didn't really lose any friends except maybe like a few straight friends and yeah I I ended my high school year with everyone knowing who I really was but but I told everyone, I told my mom, obviously because my mom is lesbian, it was easier to come out to her. Uh, The only person who was in the dark was my dad and my dad's side of the family. And that took me, like, I want to say it took me about a year to come out to him. And I don't know why I just was so, like, scared and I didn't want to disappoint him. So I remember it just, it one day I just woke up and I was like, I need to tell my dad. I need to tell my dad. But I was so scared and I didn't want to like face him. So I sent him a text telling him that like everything. And I believe after high school, I had moved out of my dad's house because I felt like I could be more myself if I went to move with my mom. And I I did just that and my dad was really hurt because I moved like I remember he wasn't talking to me not because I was gay because he hadn't known yet but he wasn't talking to me he was giving me the cold shoulder he was just silent whenever I would go visit my my grandma and so anyway I'm like branching off so I text him pretty much everything and like why I moved to my mom's and why this and why that and all he said was I'm gonna love you unconditionally it's okay and that he loves me and yeah and I was like what and at that moment like a huge weight had just been lifted off of me but I don't I think everyone should come out when they are comfortable I've had some really toxic traits back in the day where I would get frustrated with people when I kind of when they gave off like gay characteristics and they you know like I would just like just come out already but that's not that's not good. That's not a good way to support someone who is who is in that position because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what it's like at their house with their parents or whoever they live with. So all I'm saying that is if you are in the closet, just come out when you are ready. Come out when you're 100% confident with showing the world who you are. Have you ever felt sad or depressed after coming? I'm not entirely sure what it is, but lately I've been feeling this a lot. I love my alone time, but I'm thinking maybe I've been having too much alone time. I have, I can say that I've never experienced that. 
And I can't even imagine like what that would be like to start feeling sad or even depressed after reaching an orgasm. Uh, I, I have not, but, uh, oh my God, that is so crazy. Okay. So the other day I was just browsing around and I think it was on Facebook where I was looking up something and it was like of all, all these people who had like different awkward reactions to orgasm or feelings after orgasm. And I believe it was called, let me pull this up really quick because this is, it's really interesting. Okay, so it's called post-coital or coital dysphoria. And it's where feelings of sadness, feeling of anger or getting like really annoyed or having bad anxiety can occur after reaching an orgasm. Uh, It's pretty common and some people even experience crying. Nobody knows the cause, but some theories include hormones that stem from love and attachment because all that shit is heightened during sex, you know, like all your senses are, are heightened and it can also be a lot of other things, someone's mental state or past relationship trauma, self-esteem. Are you stressed out about something? But my best advice for you, sorry, I didn't mean to give you a little, a little teaching lesson but my best advice for you would just to be to monitor your feelings and look into possibly talking to someone professionally. But I, I personally, I've never experienced anything like that. If you feel like those feelings are too overwhelming for you to deal with, just make sure that you reach out for the appropriate help. Aside from the questions, I did get a few listener paranormal and horror stories. I'm not going to do them all, but I can do a couple. Let's go ahead and get into the listener submitted horror stories. Not sure if this is okay, but have you looked at any paranormal stories locally? There is one on a local legend of the grieving witch on road a mom was out walking late at night with her child her daughter not paying attention a driver comes speeding up the road the child is hit and killed instantly while her mother was thrown from the scene she runs toward her daughter as she looked up she makes eye contact with the driver who was in shock the driver then puts the car in reverse and peels out fleeing the scene the woman was in shock And there is a theory that the woman silently turns around and disappears into the woods nearby. In the following years, the road has gained a bit of a bad reputation, with eyewitness reports that every so often taking place only at night and only when there is a single car on the road, strange occurrences take place. The car's engine will suddenly cut out, bringing the car to a halt. The radio goes in and out, the doors lock. Then you'll notice a pair of bright red eyes. The eyes then move toward your car. The eyes stare into every window, making their way around the car. Then they'll start inspecting the person inside. As the story goes, the grieving mother's rage and anger evolve into a dark power, making her a witch. She's searching for the one responsible, the one who killed her daughter.
Before I wrap up today's episode, I just want to send out a huge thank you to those of you who are and continue to participate in my question, my polls. Uh, you submit your stories. You are engaging with the podcast. Without all of that engagement, I don't really have a show. So I am so thankful and so fucking appreciative of you all. And I also want to give a shout out to the little horror community that has been reaching out to me. All of you guys know exactly who you are. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the shares. I appreciate all of it. When I first set out to do this whole podcast, I did want to connect with people who I had prior. So the fact that I'm actually seeing that and and doing that now, it's so fucking amazing to me. So Thank you from the bottom of my black heart. But on that note, you guys, I love you so freaking much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening in. And I will talk to you all on the next episode. Bye. If you or anyone you know is having suicidal thoughts, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or by calling 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-TALK.